Good morning, everyone. I am so glad to be back with you. I am so thankful that Nathan invited me to come and fill in while he is away on sabbatical. Please keep him in your prayers as he, um, as he wanders around and as he spends time with God in nature. Today, we have the opportunity to meet a woman whom most of us have never really noticed in our scriptures before. Her name is Tabitha, and she is the focus of our lesson from Luke's writing in the, in the ninth chapter of Acts. In seven short verses, just seven, Luke introduces us to Tabitha, whose name is translated from Aramaic into Greek as Dorcas. Dorcas is called a female disciple, materia in Greek. It's the only time that term is used in the entire New Testament. It seems that Luke implies by that usage that Dorcas is the full equivalent of the male disciples, who are named, of course, many, many times using the masculine form of the noun. She is accounted as a faithful woman who perhaps was sort of a cultural hybrid of sorts between her Judaism faith and the wider Greco-Roman world in which she lived. Perhaps, though, we do not know for sure she was held in high regard because of her faith, but because, also because of her appreciation of the different cultures that surrounded her. Acts speaks of Tabitha using her gifts of sewing to create garments. One day she becomes gravely ill and she dies. Her friends take her body and they wash it as is the custom and they lay her body in an upper room in preparation for her burial. Now the disciples who were present, who had attended her death, knew that Peter, and we all know who Peter is, Peter was close by and they asked him to come quickly. And Peter does, as he's requested. I have to wonder, I have to wonder what the people were thinking about when they demanded Peter's arrival. Perhaps we might describe it today as, as we clergy, we might describe it as a pastoral call to a family when someone has died. Perhaps Tabitha or Dorcas's reputation for good works and acts of charity had spread across the land and Peter came to pay respects. Perhaps he came out of compassion for the disciples who had been with Dorcas, who had been there, and he comes to sort of help shoulder the loss and grief that they experience. I wonder, did they have hope that somehow Peter would have some influence over this death? Scripture doesn't tell us why Peter was summoned, nor his willingness in haste to come to Joppa to witness the death of this disciple. Once 
Peter arrives, the widows tending Tabitha's body begin to tell him about her generosity, her gifts that she had made with her own hands and shared with them, and they hold them out in in an array of these beautiful, exquisite gifts that they have received from their friend Dorcas. They share stories about Tabitha's labors of love for them and to them. This exchange between Peter and these widows reminds me of a couple of occurrences. One is how we gather together when someone dies and how we share in stories. Some of those stories are funny, some are interesting, many are sad, some are engaging, some are troubling, some revealing, some poignant. I remember one time I was the officiant at a, at a memorial service and the brother, the brother of the deceased, who I had known the family fairly well, they were members of the congregation, and the brother who lived elsewhere but was coming for the service asked if he could speak, and I thought, well, that would be kind of nice for him to remember his brother. Um, unfortunately, um, the man got into the pulpit and spent the next uh, t- 10 or 15 minutes telling us all the things that were wrong with his deceased brother. I learned a lesson that day about who speaks and who doesn't. But the stories, the stories that we tell are about the person and their effect on our lives. We tell those stories, don't we? So I invite you to just take a moment close your eyes and flip through the files of your mind of the stories that you have heard during or following a funeral or memorial service. What was one story that really captured your heart? If we were to share those stories, we could write a book you and I, of those stories of memory. The other part of this encounter with Dorcas is around Dorcas's handiwork. Reminds me of something that happened and perhaps continues right here at Trinity. When I was working here a couple of years ago, I sat in with the knitting group as they knit prayer shawls to be given to folks who needed to be wrapped, who needed to be wrapped in God's love, who needed to know to be wrapped in the caring and the love and the compassion of this community. At some point, the stories being told end, and Peter asks the widows to leave, to step outside, and he's alone in the room where Dorcas lay. As Peter has seen Jesus do, he called, Peter calls out to Tabitha. He says, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, and he helped her to her feet. This recognition of being, being called is much like the shepherd in John's Gospel, where John says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, I give them eternal life, they will never perish. Peter called everyone in to witness the work of God's hands, the work of the Spirit to give life 
to recreate, to lift up. This was and is God's handiwork. So I wonder where we see God's hand at work today. There is certainly no lack of grief or loss or illness or crime or cruelty or war. You can go on and on. The past week's headlines filled my heart with dread and fear and sorrow. So much, so much destruction. So where do, I ask, is God's handiwork in all of us? I can only tell you what I know from my own experience, and it goes like this. God so loved the world that God gave God's only son for all of us to show how to love all of us. First and foremost, I have to remember that God loves me. God loves you and you and you. You in the back, you in the middle, you in the front, you in the sides, you in the choir loft. God loves you, every single human and all of creation. Secondly, I don't get to choose who God loves. I may not like it, but God loves those who I might consider unworthy of God's love. And if I'm true to myself and to you, it only takes a half a step aside, and I'm pretty sure that there are times when I am not worthy of God's love. But guess what? It's there anyway, awaiting my response. The result of Tabitha's resurrection is that it became known and many believed in the Lord. Many believed in the Lord because of what had happened and what they had been told to them by those who had experienced this renewal of life. What kind of renewal stories do we have to tell? What are those stories that we can tell about the places where God has been at work in our lives. Maybe renewal comes in all different forms. Maybe it comes in a word of forgiveness. Maybe it comes in an admission of guilt. Maybe renewal comes in finding something or someone that was lost. Or in sharing love with an estranged family member or friend. Maybe renewal comes in the recognizing and appreciating and protecting again and again and again the beauty of God's creation. Renewal happens 
in our response to God's love. Some of you know that Tom, my husband, and I had an infant daughter that died. A story that perhaps I have not told is that in Teresa's death and my dark depths of grief, I began to see myself as a failure. My body had failed to create and bear a healthy infant. It was my fault that she had died. If I had been different, if I had paid closer attention, if I had insisted to the doctor that something was wrong, if only, if only, if only. And in the process of if only, there was a slow and agonizing destruction of me. Until one day, a prayer partner of mine came to see me. A wise woman, a Holy Spirit woman of infinite insight and filled with God's love and tenderness. As I sat, as I did every day, in the rocking chair where our daughter had laid on my lap and experienced cardiac and pulmonary arrest, I rocked back and forth and back and forth, numbing that pain of loss. My friend, she came and sat at my feet. Taking my hands in hers, she softly asked, Linda, when are you going to cry? 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 What difference would that make? It's just one more way to exhibit my weakness. In an almost inaudible voice, she began to sing the words of this hymn. I am the bread of life. You who come to me shall not hunger. And you who believe in me shall not thirst. No one can come to me unless the Father beckons. The bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world, and if you eat of this blood, you will live forever. I am the resurrection. I am the life. If you believe in me, even though you die, you will live forever. And with a loud, more loud voice in her song, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And I will raise you up. I will raise you up. I will raise you up on the last day. With each verse that she sang, Rays of light began to pierce the darkness of my heart and soul. And on that day, I cried. And renewal 
began. My friends, God's love is here for you. My prayer is that you will open your heart and allow your renewal to begin today. Amen.